Welcome to Flipping the Field. Before we begin today, we'd like to open with a reading from the book of Ted Lasker's, presented by Ryan Donnelly. We knew we were going to be at a disadvantage with the Irish refs being on the side of the Irish boots of Gerald. I'm utterly shocked at how blatantly biased they were. We had no chance from the start. Let's have a rematch on U.S. soil. Northwestern wouldn't stand a chance. Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about Irish conspiracies. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, O'Ryan O'Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> to- Ryan McDonnelly. Yeah. Ryan, uh, top of the morning to you. <laughs> How's it going? Patrick, may, may the ride rose, may, may the road rise to meet your feet. Um, you know, may the morning dew always, always smile upon you. Yeah. Um, it certainly didn't smile upon that fucking bump Scott Frost this week. No, what a loser. No, Nebraska. What a loser this guy is. Nebraska ran into some troubles in, uh, in, in, <laughs> in Ireland. They, they faced some serious troubles. Um, we, uh, we're, we're going to do the recap. It's, it's your recap show. Uh, we're going to put 30 minutes on the clock here and folks, I know that we have said this before, but we're going to adhere to it. <laughs> we're going to stick to it as best as we possibly can. Um, we have not very many games to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, as many as I think we have thoughts on. Um, if we fuck up this one, we are not making it the whole season. No, we're g- no it's, it's going to be a disaster if we can't, <laughs> we can't get this shit done. Uh, but we're putting 30 minutes on the clock. Uh, I think we're just going to go in order of game uh, when they when they started, when they finished. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to blare through all of these. Uh, we before real quick, we should probably blare through them. What does yeah, that mean? We, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna speed through them. How's that? We're gonna <laughs> speed through. Them. Uh, before we do that, we should probably do our, our housekeeping stuff, right? Uh, oh yeah. Like for example, you can find uh, all of the stuff that we do and pay us money at meetatmidfield.com. <laughs> also at meetatmidfield on uh, on Twitter. Run me those wallets. Run me those wallets. Yeah, right run now. us those wallets. The show's on Twitter at Field Flipping. Uh, I'm on Twitter Patrick underscore Mayhorn. He's B1G underscore Ryan. And of course, you can also support the show by using the code Meet at Midfield for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. Premium vintage collegiate apparel. Uh, they give you much longer than 30 minutes if you want to wait around on their website and click around on yeah. all the stuff. You can spend hours on there just buying t-shirts. It's, that's, uh, that's a good Saturday right there. It's just a guy buying t-shirts. Maybe you're spiraling. Maybe you've recently had a divorce. It's a really good way to bounce back is to just buy a whole lot of t-shirts using the code meet at midfield for 15% off. Yeah, and it's by the way, it's a hundred percent not true that the most of their customers are perverts. Yeah, um, it's that's not, not true. Stop saying that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this. I don't know where this nasty rumor began, but it's not true. Okay. <laughs> Just to totally clarify all the false things that have been said about Homefield <laughs> since we've started working with them, <laughs> their customers are perverts. <laughs> they did not have anything to do with the triangle shirt with Zachary Fire. I don't know. And, I don't know where this stuff is coming from, but we're gonna root it out. <laughs> they, there's also they do not work with any slave labor uh, clothes. Yeah. And finally, 
Um, the mascot section of the website does not have any kind of bestiality going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> None of those are true. None of this is true. And it's it's unfair to a, a business that has treated us so so well with so much kindness that people are spreading these these nasty rumors, these rumors that are just not <laughs> true, that are designed to uh, to, to, to divide, really, and to, to hurt mm. our dear friend, Speak Connor. It. Speak it, on it. It's, it's, uh, it's shameful. It's shameful what people are doing with these rumors. People Church. are saying, oh, well, you know, Homefield is making chastity belts. There's, oh, Homefield <laughs> was involved with the Triangle Waster Wire. It's, 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 it's wrong. It's wrong oh, to do. The one that is true, they, they still, again, they do run Andrew Yang's campaign. <laughs> yeah. They are, yeah. They are his campaign manager. That's nothing to be ashamed of, though. <laughs> they're doing a great... It seems like they're doing a great job. Uh, and really, honestly, if you have participated at all in any of these rumors, I think the only way to uh, to really pay reparations, I think, to Homefield for what the damages you have caused is to use the code meet at midfield for 15% off. You're still kind of ripping them mm-hmm. off by taking 15% off your first order, uh, but you're buying the shirts. You're 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 partaking yeah. in the economy, and and uh, it's the least you really it's the least you can do for uh, if you're for, if you're a real one if you if you've got it like that like you're like money good over here I ain't worried about shit yeah. Um, you should leave a comment saying meet at midfield sent you, but not use the codes. They, they mm. get more money. Off the yeah. Board. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Leave that in like the special comments section where it's like, uh, yes. I don't even need the code. I'm, I'm rolling in it because I took the, I took the meet at midfield challenge. <laughs> don't explain the what the meet at midfield, midfield challenge, challenge and is. I've already made millions of dollars in betting. <laughs> Of our actionable financial advice. I took, the meet, I took the meet at midfield challenge, and all I got is this crappy T-shirt. <laughs> uh, we're hearing that more and more. Um, oh man! And also to the haters and losers that are saying because meet at midfield also made an R college football T-shirt that we are now Reddit. It's not true. Also, yeah. don't say that about us. Yeah, we're please don't. Please don't say that. It's not true, and it's also it's just really hurtful. It's. Just... <laughs> <laughs> you guys know we're not Reddit. Don't call us Reddit, dude. Yeah. On. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway, uh, right. Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, Homefield Apparel on Twitter. Check them out. Uh, meet at midfield.com for Meet at midfield.com, uh, all that stuff. Twitter.com, just scroll around. Check it out. 247sports.com, <laughs> lots of cool stuff on there. Uh, MikeFarrellSports.com. It's it's just a, you know, there's also, there's something on the internet for everybody. That's that's really oh, been the lesson. LSUtigers.net. Absolutely. LSUtigers.net. Any other websites you like lately? You get any new websites? No. I'm actually anti website. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an anti-website head. I'm big on HTML. I'm, I'm a big HTML guy. That's, that's mm, been my, that's okay, been you're my just strategy. making your own pages to like yeah. hang out. <laughs> well, and I really like it when uh, I'm trying to look at, at like college football reference, which is an HTML site, and it crashes my entire fucking computer. It's cool. It's cool that that happens. Um, all right, Ryan, are you ready? Uh, yeah. All right, thirty minutes on the clock. Starting. Oh, you didn't start it yet. I thought no, we were going to run into no, time there. no. Thirty minutes on the clock. <laughs> starting now. Western Kentucky thirty-eight. Austin P twenty-seven. Um, I thought Austin Reed looked pretty good in this game. Newly anointed starting quarterback at Western Kentucky. Um, the offense looked about the same. Not a whole lot of interest in running the football. Uh, didn't really need to have a whole lot of interest in running the football. The main thing that I took from this, in watching Western Kentucky specifically, is those wide receivers. Man. 
are fantastic. They are fantastic. I think it was. Yeah. I think Malachi Corley had three touchdowns. Uh, Daywood Davis was uh, was really good as well. 124 yards. I um, think. Great. Yeah. Those guys oh. are tremendous. Uh, the the yeah. Western Kentucky defense looked bad. I didn't think Austin Reed was like amazing. I thought he looked fine. Um, but that receiver room, I don't think there's any drop off at all from what they had last year. Uh, yeah, I did have some just worries with this offense in general coming out of like the post Zach Kitley era, you know, yeah. post Bailey Zappi era, what to expect. And I mean, they did only rack up like 380 yards of offense in the day, something like that, 387, something like that. But yeah, uh, 386 looks like. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's like obviously not ideal, but um, still, like you said, the receivers are not the problem whatsoever. Like there, yeah. there's some going pains in week one, and they got to improve a little bit, especially in the line play. Um, but I, I think I'm fully confident this offense can get back to where it was in the future. Yeah. I'm sure I keep developing. Austin Reed was was not bad. I mean, um, pretty efficient, I thought. Um, had a turnover, but not a bad one. Um, West Kentucky defense played pretty well, I thought. They like really kind of came on late in the game. Uh, especially uh, Jaquez Evans had two and a half sacks uh, on the day. Really, He also led the team in tackles. Really impressive player. Um, I, I was a big fan of his. Uh, he is there. Linebacker who is from Dublin, Georgia, not Dublin, Ireland, um, or or Dublin, that? Ohio, the Big Three. Right. Yeah, uh, right. In, interesting here is that Western Kentucky. Um, um, this is from GameOnPaper.com. Only had 54 plays from scrimmage, uh, which I think mm. is part of what accounts for that 386 yards. Uh, so they they averaged more than seven yards per play. It's not like the end of the world, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know yeah. what's going on with that. Kind of a slower pace for an air raid team. You don't usually see that. They had. They had four takeaways, so I assume they just had short fields. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's I think that's probably a part of it. That that was sort of the other thing that I took from this is that Austin P uh, was doing some of the slow mesh stuff in their rushing attack, and that that was mm. working pretty well early on. Um, I have some worries about this Western Kentucky defensive front. They did not look great to uh, to start this game. They settled in, but I think that largely they settled in because Austin P kept turning the ball over. I think there was a pick six. A um, couple fumbles that were really not very good. It was, uh, it was, it was just, it was sort of sloppy from Austin P. And I think it would have been closer if not for those turnovers. But I, I also think it was not really quite as close as the thirty-eight twenty-seven final score. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, in the second half, West Kentucky really pulled away and looked yeah. dominant. Yeah, they um, they looked like they were supposed to. Wide receivers looked great. All right, next up, uh, you know a team who can't pull away in the second half, huh? <laughs> it's it's uh it's those beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers, folks. Northwestern thirty-one, Nebraska. 28 um jesus christ i mean <laughs> dude it's, it's so good man it, it I mean, is I, it's unbelievable he it's uncanny how good scott frost is at fucking it up <laughs> it's he's ridiculous a maestro man he's an absolute maestro oh um God. no one does it like him yeah. like honestly no one does it like him nebraska and... averaged 8.4 yards per play from uh, yards per play from scrimmage and they lost what are you yeah. doing <laughs> What are you people doing? They, oh my god, dude, it's so uh, bad. Almost there was, averaging a first down for fucking offensive play. Man, it was so funny because of course, like everyone makes it's easy to make fun of Nebraska. We all love to do it, but like yeah. they went into halftime down a field goal. They come out, they force. Uh, like, I think like uh, I think Northwestern got one first down, then had to punt. Then they come out. Uh, Casey Thompson has one of an incredible play, one of the best cultural plays I've seen in a long time. Yeah, this incredible scrambling, fifty-eight yard third on the sideline. Uh, they score a touchdown on that drive, force a fumble the next drive, score a touchdown again, and then go for like the kill shot up twenty-eight seventeen by kicking an onside kick. Mm-hmm. Immediately shit their pants, right? Like yeah. after Casey Thompson throws that touchdown pass, I think he went like three of twelve with an interception and three sacks taken the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, a- after starting that incredible run. 
Northwestern reels off uh, 14 unanswered points and uh, wins the game. And Nebraska does not score again after that second attempt. It was maybe Scott Frost's only decision of the entire day. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's really like the uh, the the shift into. It's so funny because like the main complaint about Frost in this game has been the the onside kick being too aggressive at a time where he should have just held onto the lead, right? But the thing that ultimately killed them here is that after that onside kick happened, offensively they just go into a, they go into a shell completely. It's it's uh, all of the play calling just shuts down and it's it's uh, you know it's screens, <laughs> it's it's runs directly up the middle on third and nine, it's uh, drag routes on third and long. It just uh, it just shuts down and it makes me think. Honestly, it makes me think that Scott Frost stepped in and fucking took over the play calling from Mark Whipple in the final, you know, the last however long it was in this game because he was he was feeling bad about the uh, the onside kick. He's like, I got to make up for this, and he went out and shit his pants. And it's uh, I I think that this was I, almost entirely on Scott Frost. This looked like he fucking was that reported in. somewhere though because I thought he didn't have a I thought they reported he didn't have a play sheet on the sideline at all, which is also pretty funny. Well, that is also very funny. I know he was complaining about the offensive play calling after the game. It's like I don't know. It seemed fine and until uh, a very specific point in the game <laughs> where it changed yeah. completely and then everything stopped I mean, working. And, and also, as I know, I referenced Casey Thompson's like struggles and like after that throw, yeah. not his fault. No. I want to say he had like, I think four of those uh, nine incompletions uh, were passes that hit the hands of his receivers. And uh, I think two of them were picked off. One of them was yeah. picked off, yeah. uh, including the game seal interception. Just like guys just like getting hit in the face and the hands of footballs <laughs> and not catching them. Just a tremendous comedy of errors. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought Casey I mean, Thompson before this... the end of the game looked pretty good. Honestly, I thought he I thought he had a decent yeah. chip on the ball. I, I, I would say okay. he's definitely not the problem. I like Trey Palmer a little bit too. Their receiver Trey Palmer had like one or two. He had a drop or two, but like yeah, made some plays on his own in space. Um, yeah, I, their I, running back Anthony Grant wasn't bad. Like their individual players weren't bad. Travis Vokalek as well, the tight end. I thought looked pretty good before he got uh, yeah. dinged up. It seems like he's going to be okay. Um, but the thing that I just I kept. I kept taking from watching this game was especially later on it's this kind of thing that we talk about in in really in the margins and and in less severe ways with Ohio State is strength and conditioning Nebraska's fucking slow they're just slow everywhere right like there are a couple players individual players you mentioned Trey Palmer uh, there are guys who have moments where they look faster, but Nebraska just in general looks slow. It, it looks weak. It's and uh, if you look slow against Northwestern, dude, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, like like uh, defensively, the front just got its ass kicked, especially in the second half on the ground. It just Northwestern just moving them. You know, they're setting the line of scrimmage five yards down the field on every running play. It's yeah. uh, I I really. I think that that's the biggest issue for this Nebraska program is that like they're not conditioned well enough to go late into games, but also they're just not very athletic. It's just not a very athletic football team. They don't have guys who are like impressive in any meaningful way, and it's uh, I, I don't I don't know how you let it get this bad. Meanwhile, on the other side, I I came away from this kind of impressed with some of the skill guys that Northwestern has specifically with the way that they utilized them without forcing Ryan Holinsky to do too much. I, I think that they did a really good job of And, and Ryan Holinsky, by the way was very good. Yeah. I, want to, I want to point that yeah, out. He, like, again, he, not asked to do very much, but what he was asked to do, he did a great job of. Yeah, he handled it well. He he handled what he was asked to do well. He hit the throws he needed to throw. I really really yeah. liked the two back stuff that they did 
with uh, Evan Hull and Cam Porter. I really liked how they got those two involved in the passing game, especially Hull. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the receiver on the outside, Malik Washington, I thought looked fantastic. Uh, eight catches for 97 yards. I thought he looked really that's good. That's not the same guy that transferred out of Texas, right? The no, that's uh, that, I believe Marcus he's at uh, I believe he's at uh, Nebraska. Yeah, he's at Nebraska. I think that's Marcus right. Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a confusing Washington pairing here, but uh, yeah. I thought Malik Washington looked good. I thought Donnie Navarro looked pretty good. He had a nice catch in the back of the end zone on a, on a beautiful throw. Um, and I, I think that just the way that they used Hull, the way that they used Cam Porter, the way that they used Malik Washington was really good. I, I think, honestly, they came in with a much better offensive game plan than Nebraska had, which is embarrassing yeah. if you're Nebraska. But uh, I think they did a fantastic job of uh, limiting Ryan Holinsky's weaknesses and sort of leaning into the strength of the offense, which is a, a surprisingly good skill core. Yeah. And, of course, as you know, I mean, my brand here, just being the Big Ten guy, I got to point out, Almost a thousand combined yards of offense this game for these two teams. Yeah, uh, I mean, not your typical like boring ass. But that was a fun game. That was a fun game to watch. It was Absolutely. not a boring ass Big Ten game. It was enjoyable. Um, I my one I guess uh, offensive critique of Northwestern here. Um, it's not a lot in the game where they had you know five hundred and thirty yards of offense. But uh, uh, Evan Hall uh, should be touching the ball more than Cam Porter is. I know he already is by a little bit. He got touched him. Uh, 27 to 20 mm-hmm. but that should be more like you know 30 to 15 yeah um, dude, he's so good <laughs> that was that was man, the other thing evan hall is so goddamn good he they referenced his squat numbers several times throughout that game you can just see looking at him yeah. he's not fast uh at all but he is just like annoying to tackle from what i can tell is a good receiving threat like you look at him run he doesn't look like that explosive he doesn't really look that fast but he just is getting to open territory and like fighting off tacklers like yeah you know 22 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown and uh five or seven 55 yards yeah uh, i mean very impressive day cam porter wasn't bad I mean, he had 19 carries for 94 and also uh got a catch for five yards but he did fumble the ball once i think porter needs to be their short yardage back right like he is yeah. so quick he's a nice change up yeah he like his problem is he doesn't really seem to have any uh second level move like, it's kind of just like, I'm going to hit the hole very fast and hope I, like, knock you over for an extra two yards. That's kind of his whole his whole thing. There's no move past that. So, oh. and he also is not a threat in the running game at all. So, he's just, to me, it's funny because to have the smaller guy with the short yardage back, but that's what he's good at. Yep, yep. I think that that's all fair. Um, Nebraska, big dead bitch. Get him out of here. Uh, just a yep. deeply embarrassing football program. Uh, what are you people doing? Anyway, uh, Utah State 31, UConn 20. Uh, Utah State was We're just never... skipping UNLV, right? Oh, I guess we can. We I uh, no, I don't. I don't uh, want to. You're I'll mention briefly. Doug Brumfield for uh, UNLV quarterback looked really good. He's a he's a lefty. Throws the ball really, really fucking hard. Uh, UNLV's starters in this game looked excellent. Defense looked good. Everything looked really, really smooth. They're playing Idaho State, so it is what it is. But uh, good for them to get a win. Good for Doug Brumfield for winning that job. Uh, Utah State thirty-one, UConn twenty. Uh, despite the final st- score, I, I really, I don't think that this one was ever all that <laughs> actually in danger for Utah State. This is, uh, I think, going to be Utah State's thing all year and probably just in general under Blake Anderson is, uh, you know, like the little guy running, trying to fight the bigger guy and the bigger guy's just holding his hand out and got his, you know, got his hand on his head, just holding him at arm's length. I think that that's just sort of what Utah State does. Um, and that's what this game felt like to me. It, it was... 
there was a chance kind of late in the game where UConn could have gotten the ball back with the chance to uh, tie or take the lead uh, if uh, if not for a third and 12 pass interference call. Uh, but there was a pass interference call, and so Utah State kept the ball and then scored after a uh, – it's like a thirteen-play, 75-yard, four-minute drive to end the game. Yeah, um, it was Stay never, it was never seriously in in danger. It just was, uh, it was sloppy. It was sloppy from Utah State. They had a couple yeah. turnovers. Um, it kind of felt like the classic like re-engage on the controller mode like yeah. situation for for Utah State, where it's like the guy sits forward in the chair, is like what it looked like, where yeah. they were kind of fucking around for a little bit, and then like you said, that drive put them up. Uh, I think it was thirty-one twenty with six minutes left, and then uh, a next drive immediately come out, and Ike Larson gets that. Yeah, kind of game still interception. Dude, he Ike Larson is gonna be so fucking good. That I'm, was a really impressive play. I'm so excited to watch that kid. Uh, him and Robert Briggs, a uh, freshman halfback who carried ten times for 85 yeah. yards, really, really physical, and he's five foot five. He he's just tiny. And, and I will say, rushing game has some work to do though for Utah State right now. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Tyler was sort of, uh, I, I think, just freelancing <laughs> a little bit. Um, the offense in general, I think, has some some work to do there's some timing stuff with the wide receivers justin mcgriff had that great catch in the corner of the end zone but in general seemed kind of off yeah. he he really needs to start catching the football a little bit more consistently i think brian yeah. cobbs looked like a good a good fit for the offense. brian cobbs maryland transfer for yeah. the show as well i covered him in high school Dude, brian I mean, he, I get, I, he, he's he's perfect for this team because he's so fucking cool right like everything yeah. that he does he's just no there's nothing exciting about what he does he's just like yeah he's open brian cobbs is open again Brian Cobbs is open on every goddamn play he's just always open 100 yeah. yeah. um yeah and i will say too i mean like utah state went for over 500 yards of offense uh yeah. in this game right uh it, it, like the offense moved the ball but they did have, I believe, three turnovers yeah. uh, in UConn territory, uh, two fumbles and a and a turnover on downs, where, yeah. and, and, like on drives into UConn territory without points. Uh, and I think that's kind of where like your underlying numbers of just like where Utah State didn't uh, get over the hump on points like at a higher level. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean they played really well. I came out of the game like I watched the second half of the game more than the first half. And it came away thinking they were totally fine. The game's never in doubt. Yep, yep. I think that that's uh, I think that's fair. I think that the people there are there are people who are sort of disappointed with this result, especially like betters. Uh, and I, I think that that's largely a uh, a symptom of not really understanding what Utah State did last year or what it's going to do this year. This is this is what they're going to do. They're going to just uh, they're going to get a lead and then they're going to sit on you if they're if they're you know, even within kind of range of beating somebody like Alabama, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against, but most teams, this is what they're going to do. Um, yeah. Illinois 38, Wyoming six. Um, I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty much boy. A lot of people, it seems like didn't really pay attention to what was going to happen to Wyoming this season. Cause I saw a lot of people saying, Oh, Wyoming might be like eight and four. No, no man. Wyoming is not going to be eight and four. Wyoming might not win a football game. <laughs> This is a bad yeah. football team. This is really, really bad. This was that never Andrew even kind of close. That stat line, you know, Wyoming starting quarterback Andrew Peasley. Yeah. Five of 20 for 30 yards and a pick. Oh. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on. What can you do? Like, what, what can you possibly say there? Yeah. Uh, Illinois just ran the ball at them all day. Like, yeah. I mean, Tommy DeVito threw the ball 37. By the way, 37 attempts for 194 yards, Tommy DeVito. Mm. Let's get that cleaned up a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, still threw the ball 30, 37 times and um but no i mean chase brown just took the game in his hands and ran away with it and, yep. and then uh, uh his backup josh mccray uh, got hurt and then uh the third string guy reggie love came in and carries 
and just sealed that game up. I mean, the Illinois running game is going to be nasty all season. They were moving guys with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Brown, a real coming out party for him. Uh, he went for, I believe it was 167 total yards uh, with three touchdowns contributed yep. uh, on 22 touches. Um, very impressive. He's a guy we've talked about a lot in this podcast, but I, I have um, him in my uh, Debbie league uh, for fantasy. I think he's a guy who's going to be an NFL running back. I really like him a lot. He's in a loaded Big Ten for the running back position. He's one of the best players at the, at the group. Yeah, um, I, li- I liked the way that they got him involved in the passing game on that first drive. They used him on a wheel route yeah. that I thought looked great. It was a beautiful throw uh, from yeah. uh, from Tommy DeVito. I, I think that that's uh, on, a couple teams in the in the West here that seem like they have a decent understanding of how to use their really good running backs as more than just running backs. We saw it with Northwestern. Yeah. We see it here. I think we're probably going to see it at Minnesota this year with uh, – uh, Mohamed Ibrahim, I, I, I think that uh, they're starting to get a feel for like, oh, we have a running back. We can use him for more than just running the football, and that's good. I think that that's a good development for the conference that you can throw to the fucking running back sometimes. Um, maybe someday uh, that will uh, extend to Ohio State, but probably not. I think it's going to take another five yeah. or ten years for Ohio State to understand, oh, you could throw no. to Travion Henderson. That would be cool. Yeah, that might be helpful. Yeah, why, why learn that? Why learn Why learn of what a four-receiver set is? No point in doing something like that. No. It's time to uh, split Master keep... Teague out wide. <laughs> no, you you don't want to like self-scout and look at your tendencies on like snap. No, you don't do any of that stuff. It's, no. That's 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 lame. That's not football. No. Anyway, um, Illinois, I thought really quick, uh, uh, Go ahead. I, th- I think Illinois looked good. That, that's that's the end of my yeah. thought on Illinois. Uh, I also want to say that the Ryan Walters defense is pretty impressive too. I, I know it's Wyoming and they're not going to be like a competent offensive team or anything like that, but uh, the way their secondary looked, they I mean, they were really quick to the ball. They were breaking on balls. They kind of knew where everything was going. Looked like a really prepared football team. Yeah. Um, and especially Devin Witherspoon is a difference maker in the secondary for them. Yep. Like him a lot. Um, he's a name you'll hear on Sundays, in my opinion. All right. Going to pair up. Oh, also, sorry, sorry. One last, one last thing is that uh, Jordan Morris uh, and now in year seven of college football in Let's school go. five. Jesus um, Christ. Playing for awesome. Illinois. Former Akron Hoban tight end. He played with Danny Clark and Todd Sibley in high school. Yeah, former uh, midfield challenge taker. Uh, so you got to respect that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna group these two ACC games together here. Uh, FSU 47, Duquesne 7, and North Carolina 56, Florida uh, A&M 24. Uh, didn't watch a ton of either of these. I thought Drake May looked good for North Carolina, and I thought that FSU in general looked really good. Uh, I, I think that you have more thoughts on that game than I do. Uh, what was your what would you what you pull from the Florida State game? Yeah, overall, I mean, the biggest thing I just noticed is that running back room is nice. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's you're playing Duquesne, but like you just see some things, kind of the way these guys move a little bit. Uh, Trayshawn Ward, Trey Benson, and Lawrence Stoffley, their top three running backs, combined for 38 carries. Uh, and that went for over 330 yards. Yeah. Uh, basically, you had the top three guys nearly averaging 10 yards to carry between them. Uh, really impressive stuff. Uh, Like them a lot. I mean, the passing game was just light work. There was no real, no challenge there. I mean, they just kind of did what Jordan Travis had open throws, and they stopped throwing the ball once they went up at the, at the half, like 26 nothing. Yeah. Uh, I thought the offensive line moved guys well. Again, you know, I mean, Duquesne is, it's an FCS program, but it's a good FCS program. Uh, they move guys with the ball pretty well. Um, I thought Jared Verse looked good. Their their big transfer. He had a sack and one and a half sacks for a loss. Mm. Um, he's said the Albany transfer, the uh, FCS All American, is coming as their star defensive end. Um, I liked him a lot. I just this team looked. I mean, like what I expect to see. Like I mean, you want to see Florida State take care of business like that if you think they're going to be a team that's going to be good. And I do think that. So um, yeah, North Carolina. Um, they ended up pulling away late in this game, but I mean that team does not look. 
good or competent to me. No, the, I think that Drake May and Josh Downs are a good pairing. I think that those two will do well together this year, even if Drake May is yeah. going to have Josh some, Downs always open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Drake May is going to have some growing pains, but I was pretty impressed generally with what I saw from him. Um, but yeah, in general, it's just not the the the, the defense here, especially, is uh, not super impressive. I, I thought Omari and Hampton yeah. also ran pretty well on the offense, but. Uh, mm. It was there. Are, you can see already. I think some structural issues with this with this yeah. football team that I think are going to be important down the road. Um, all right, FAU forty three, Charlotte thirteen. Hot damn! This was not even close. This was uh, this was close into the uh, into the second quarter, and then Chris Reynolds got dinged up, and then Charlotte just fell off a cliff. Even when Chris Reynolds came back into the game, it was just. Uh, it was night and day. It, it was it was really really bad. Like as soon as he left the game, everything just just completely stopped working. And and FAU, uh, I, I think, did fairly well. I, I I didn't come away from this thinking like, oh wow, FAU looks really good. I I do think that they have uh, they have some speed. I was impressed with some of their players offensively. I thought Nikosi Perry mm-hmm. had a pretty good game. Uh, Larry McCammon, sixteen I thought, to twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I thought Larry McCammon looked pretty good as well. Um, they have some guys outside who I think are pretty good, uh, who, who I think will be solid for them this year. Lejante Wester, the, uh, the main one who comes to mind. But the, the thing that I came out of this with was, uh, I think Charlotte's going to be looking for a new coach next year. I, I really, it doesn't, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good here. No. You know, and that should, be still... a good, that should be a good job. I mean, yeah. also that, like, there's a, yeah. A lot of investment, going to be in a better conference and a good, in a, you know, rising city with a lot of recruiting, uh, you know, area nearby. I think it's absolutely going to be a good job. Um, but I just, I didn't see any improvements here from the issues of last season. I thought the offense was still fairly stale, even with Chris Reynolds. And I mean, you, you have three really good receivers. There's no excuse for the offense to look like this. Uh, and the defense was dog shit. The defense was horrible. Brought in a new DC, didn't seem to do anything at all. Um, it just uh, listless, really listless. And then putting in your second stringers in the fourth quarter when you're losing by 30 is just embarrassing. It's it's uh, it's a signal to your to your starters that they don't need to be held accountable for this kind of thing. It, it's it's just uh, yeah. it's bad. It's bad. It's a bad culture. It does not uh, it does not bode well. I don't. I did not like what I saw here. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, next game we had is Nevada at New Mexico State. Uh, they won twenty three to twelve. Yeah, Nevada did. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really bad year for Nevada. Uh, I also think New Mexico State kind of got robbed here. I think they, they had an interception on uh, what it ended up being Nevada's uh, last drive, where they kick a field goal to put it out of reach, and it was not reviewed. I think it should have been. Uh, credit mm. to New Mexico State for keeping this one close, but I, I think it's going to be a really bad year for Nevada. Also, what the fuck's up with Nevada doing the the, the turnover trident? Why why do they have a trident? What's, I, how does that relate to their team at all? I don't know. Or the Wolf Pack. <laughs> it's the Wolf Pack. What's, why do they have a trident? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I didn't even. I had not seen that. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty bad year for Nevada and for the bottom of the Mountain West in general we will get to the other member of the bottom of the mountain west here in a second um any other thoughts on this one no all right north texas 31 (laughs) utep 13 this was fun for about a half and then north texas just sat on them uh the the thing that i pulled from this is really that i think that utep is fairly similarly construct constructed to what it was last year but they don't have a game-breaking receiver in the same way. They have a guy who's interesting in, uh, what's his name? Uh, Reynaldo Flores, I thought looked pretty good. And then Tyron Smith also is is 
rapid. He's really, really fast. He can't catch the yeah, football. But they're, but they're not Jacob Cowan, right? No, That's he can't catch yeah. the football to save his fucking life, but he's really fast. Um, and I thought both of those guys looked good on the deep shots that there were, and I thought Gavin, Gavin Hardison still, he's got a cannon. I mean, he's he's got a cannon. He's throwing the ball down the field. It's just, it wasn't as consistent because they don't have Jacob Cowan. And ultimately... They lost their OC as well, right? Uh, that sounds right. Um, and ultimately that was sort of, uh, that was the thing that got them is that it's just, they don't have a thing that you can trust that isn't the deep ball and the deep ball is not as reliable as it was last year because they lost their, their star receiver. Uh, North Texas, meanwhile, has a reliable rushing attack with Oscar Attaway with, um, Ayo Adaye, I believe is how you say his name. The, the, he ended up being the lead rusher, um, Mm -hmm. They, it's just more reliable. It was more reliable what North Texas was doing. You could you could uh, trust it more consistently, and that ended up being the difference here. I think UTEP is still going to be a team that can pull off some upsets, but the defense is not good enough, and the offense is uh, is going to take a step back in consistency, and it was already not a super consistent offense. Uh, yeah, totally fair. Um, and then our, our final one here is Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Yeah. Um, big news here, 10. of course. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit. 63 to 10, Vanderbilt over Hawaii. Of course, the big news of the day is that Mike Wright um, took the crown from JT Barrett for slowest 85-plus yard quarterback rushing touchdown. Yeah. Uh, J- JT Barrett's game at Minnesota was an infamy of the 86-yard one. Mike Wright's winding, like, laborious 87-yard <laughs> touchdown uh, may have t- may have snatched the crown from JT on this one. So yeah. congratulations to Mike Wright on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, Hawaii we, sucks, man. Yeah, Hawaii is, is in uh, dire straits. It's going to be a really, really tough year for Hawaii. Yeah. And not the band. No. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm interested in Mike Wright. He can't throw the football to save his life. He throws the football so bad. It is it is so nasty coming out of his hand. That thing's going like 10 miles per hour. It's just, yeah. It is looping over defenders, but... Uh, he looked he looked okay he looked okay the the run he's he's not that fast but he can run he can move a little bit i liked what i saw from the rushing attack in general i think i think it's designed well i saw a little bit of uh some some motion some misdirection some cool stuff i think these halfbacks are are decent uh rocco griffin i thought looked really good it's um, i'm interested i'm interested in what this offense has going on with the rushing attack they're not going to win a lot of games it's it's not a uh, this is not an sec level team yet but they were certainly athletic enough up front to absolutely outclass hawaii it was it was yeah. uh, it was like they were playing a different sport it was ridiculous yeah my god i mean and there's nothing negative you can say about a 600 yard offense a day right no. like when you when you put up 600 yards on a team even if it's hawaii it's like you you were doing something right i mean yeah my god like you said 9 yards a pop on the ground it's ridiculous it's a uh, yeah Teams don't do that. And and Hawaii, meanwhile, I, I I don't really care a whole lot about EPA as a stat because I don't really know what it means and I just I don't really give a shit. But uh, I do want to mention here because I think it's it's a funny comparison. Vanderbilt's offensive EPA was twenty point two six. Hawaii's was negative twenty two point five eight. It's it's uh, that's unbelievable. It's not good. <laughs> It's not good. No. It's not what you're looking for. Yeah, Hawaii had I think exactly one drive in this game where it's like, oh, Hawaii, looking looking like you have some life in you. And then after that, it was uh, that was no longer the case. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of Hawaii being alive. Um, good for Vanderbilt. I don't imagine that they're going to be able to do this against actual teams with a pulse. But uh, 
you got to do it against the bad teams too, and then they uh, they got it done here. Um, yeah, Ryan, we have another two minutes left on the clock. Do you have any more thoughts on uh, on week zero? Oh, I I can regale you with a statistic I just read on the internet. Yeah, what's up? Um, from from the sky, Zach B ninety one. Okay. If Scott Frost won his next fifty consecutive games, he would still have a worse record in Nebraska than Bo Pelini. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so good. That's oh five zero five zero. Jesus. Uh, so that would be that's like four consecutive undefeated seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Cool. Cool decision there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess, like, I, I know Bo was not going to be the one that gets them where they needed to go, but Jesus Christ, that's uh. Probably also not going to be Scott getting you there, and you're fucking four. I think we know what Scott Frost is at this point. Don't know that you needed to run it back for a fourth goddamn year. No, I, I don't really get it, but I mean, I don't know. People are just – these coaches, these ADs, and they're, they're just boring. They're just – they don't care, man. They, again, they just don't care about football the way we do. They, they, they just – they don't have the podcaster's heart yeah. in them to, to run these teams appropriately. Yep, I think that must be what it is. So week zero in the books, um, not very good, I would say, in terms of football. <laughs> not a lot of football that was really worth watching. This no, week. I wasn't. I, I mean, was there any players you? Uh, Chase Brown, my player of the week. Chase, I don't know how you feel Chase about Brown that. looked great. Yeah, Evan Hall, I think gets a gets a mention. Doug Brumfield, I thought Logan Bonner was fantastic for Utah State, um, as well as Robert Briggs, who didn't carry the ball a ton but looked great when he did. Um, FAU, I, thought I mentioned they, a defensive lineman. I forget his name. Who had uh, two and a half sacks? Uh, there's the one at FAU or F, F, FSU verse, but I don't remember who the, uh, the no no was. verse verse had one sack. It was somebody else. It's not a big deal. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, uh, some guy out there. Some guy had a great game. Yep. All right, we got five seconds left on the clock, folks. We will be back uh, today with the premium show. <laughs> You'll be yeah. Uh... <laughs>